Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. This is episode number 17. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. Today, we're speaking with personal branding expert, Petra Zink. Petra Zink is a coach, speaker, and educator on all things career and personal development, branding, high performance, and innovation. She helps companies and senior professionals to build strong businesses and careers by building and managing a strong, sustainable brand. Petra combines 10 years experience in brand and product marketing with five years in recruitment and is now working with high-performing individuals and teams on building and managing their personal brand online and offline for maximum impact in their role of today, but also preparing them for their careers of tomorrow. I've been following Petra on LinkedIn for a little while now, and I love what she's doing in the personal branding space. Her work involves a lot of speaking, so we invited her onto the Presentation Boss podcast to tell us about her journey with speaking and how it fits in with personal branding both on and off the stage. So welcome, Petra, to the Presentation Boss podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to speak to you today. The first thing we ask all of our guests is, why are you interested in communication and in speaking and how did you get started in that space? Well, I always say, if you can communicate, you can influence. And when you can influence, you can make an impact. And this is, you know, my entire um, business is built around making an impact in other people's life by being the best that you can be. How I got into it was kind of um, by accident. I used to be in marketing and always behind the computer. And I always believed that I just need to work hard and I would get recognized for who I am, what I can do. And that was not quite the case. (laughs) In fact, I was the one who always did all the work, but I missed out on promotions. It was hard for me to negotiate a salary increase. Often I didn't even get invited to an interview for a senior role and I didn't know what was going on because I always thought my work will speak to me for me, but it wasn't the case. And it wasn't until I changed industry that I got um, to expose myself more or less and had to communicate who I am and what I can do for others when I got into recruitment. Because in that space, it's all about who you know and who knows you. And this is when I started to communicate more proactively and also then helping my candidates and clients to communicate their point of difference. And this is how I got into communication. Yeah, right. So now you speak on personal branding and um, do coaching in personal branding. That is correct, yes? Yeah, that's correct. I'm running quite a few workshops for companies. I do keynotes. I work with people one-on-one and everything in between. Yeah, so lots of speaking and communicating then. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, So I am interested, why is personal branding so important for starters? Well, if you um, realize it or not, everyone's got already a personal brand. It's who or it's what other people say about you. And I always say your personal brand is your reputation. And my interpretation of your reputation, it's your rep. The reason everyone pays. And value is very subjective. So the higher you are perceived as valuable for others, the more you can charge for being who you are and what you can do best. So it's more about taking control over your personal brand and influence how others perceive you in a way that benefits you to get to your goal. So this is why personal branding is so important. 
I really like that. How other, what other people say about you is kind of what I kind of got from that. Yes, because in the end, you know, how easy, if you want to do the test, how easy is it for others to introduce you to a stranger who could be a decision maker for whatever you want, maybe to get another job or to get onto a board or to get new clients? How easy is it for others to really represent you, what you can do for them and also your value, not undersell yourself? I wrote down here something that you said that I think is interesting, which is you believe that your work would speak for you. Uh, I think that's probably not an uncommon thought for especially consultants or people maybe in that same space. Mm -hmm. uh, so your brand is about the perception. So obviously you need to control how people see you and how they see your work through communication. Would that be about right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm a little bit of a workhorse and I love working as such. I get joy from it. And I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family where it wasn't unusual to work 15, 16 hours a day. And this was the badge of honor. So the more you work, the more you are worth. And these were my beliefs until, you know, a few years ago. So I just thought, head down and I work as hard as I possibly can. But what happened was that I got handed over all the projects. I did two, three jobs at the same time. And people believed that I got joy out of working more because I didn't communicate that I worked more and took on more projects to show my responsibilities, to show my capabilities and to show my interest in progressing. So they just thought, oh, she will sort it out, she will do it. But I actually never communicated that it's part of a bigger goal. And this is where, you know, I just missed out on so many opportunities. So it's about communicating your worth, really, is, is what we're getting there, yeah. Exactly. And also, why are you doing what you're doing? And, you know, why do you care? So this comes down to your story. Everyone's got their point of difference. And, you know, Simon Sinek always says with why, what's your why? And I always take it a step further and say, why do you care? What's the, why are you doing what you're doing based on your experience and your background? This is what connects people with each other and see, oh, they're coming from a struggle. And I always say, you can make your mess, your message. Like, you know, I was burned out twice. I hated the industry that I was in and I thought I just need to keep my head down and work and harder. And the higher you climb, the more miserable you get. This was literally my belief. <laughs> um, until I realized it doesn't have to be like that. <laughs> so what made you want to go out on your own then? Was it just because you just really didn't like your job? No, I did like my job, but I always thought there was more. Okay, I pushed yeah. boundaries quite a bit. And, you know, especially in my last two roles, they were always saying, oh, my God, we love what you're doing and it's amazing, but you can't do this because it's not inherent with the corporate branding and we can't do this and we can't do that. And I was always, you know, nodding and saying, mm -hmm, yeah, talk next week because there was always a call from Sydney. And I never, <laughs> never um, obeyed to the rules because I knew that what I was doing was different and was working. So I didn't really, I, I took it on board, but I probably didn't uh, execute on the recommendations to not do it. And because nobody has been doing what I've been doing in that space, I thought this is an amazing opportunity for me to actually create my role outside corporate world and yeah. push the boundaries myself. So when you left corporate, how did you start that process? Was speaking something that came immediately or was it a result of doing your own personal branding 
Well, I've been speaking for quite some time now, and also in my corporate roles, I always um, try to get speaking engagements for myself or uh, organized events that are moderated or hosted, because what I realized was when I had to build my personal brand, because nobody knew me, the easiest and quickest way is to do public speaking engagements, because you don't need to introduce yourself to a lot of people. You just need to introduce yourself once. Everyone knows you. <laughs> So I thought this is pretty smart and I'm all about being, you know, working smarter and not harder <laughs> these <Yeah>. days. <laughs> but also to build connections, to build relationships, to bringing communities together. And this is what I still love. I've got a meetup group, which is growing by the minutes, um, you know, a podcast that brings together the thought leaders from the world. So communication is the key for everything, to get ahead, to be successful and to get exposed to new opportunities that you wouldn't even think of are existing. I think I like there that you said that public speaking was the easiest way to communicate with people. I can just imagine the amount of people out there who would violently disagree with that. But <laughs> I, it's certainly an interesting angle that makes a lot of sense that you can speak to, obviously, more than one person at a time. And it also has the psychological effect because in a second you stand up, you raise yourself and you stand out for all the right reasons. So people see you already as a thought leader in that space and you don't even necessarily need to talk about that topic. Even just curating speakers who are speaking about a topic helps you to build your personal brand also. So it could be just an introduction or a moderation of a panel, but it still helps you to build and raise your personal profile in the right audiences. Yes, we've noticed that on podcasts, the host often gets a bit of the credibility of the people that they have on to speak with them. Um, it's all about brand building by association. Like you yeah. build your brand, everything you do, uh, how you act, how you interact, how you dress, how you communicate or not communicate, but then also who you are surrounded by and who do you work with and what kind of circles and communities are you hanging out. This is brand building by association and it actually can rocket um, launch your personal brand much quicker if you associate yourself with somebody who's already known and tap into their network because it also builds credibility if somebody well-known or respected actually associates themselves with you. Which makes a lot of sense. We know that speaking and communicating is all about building relationships as well. So you can build those relationships before, sorry, as you're getting on stage and before you're getting on stage and events makes a lot of sense as well. Totally. And you know what? I had um, the opportunity last November um, to meet Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of oh, right. Apple. And wow. I could, um, interview him. And then I also had an interview with Charlie Sheen and Jewel, the singer. And it was on a stage with three and a half thousand people. And it got me so much engagement, not just at the conference, but then also afterwards. Because people, you know, it's just a conversation starter. It's about, oh, what did you talk about? And how was it behind the stage? And, you know, people are interested in sharing the story yeah. and what goes behind the scenes. This is what really is the interesting part. It's not necessarily what you actually spoke about, but it was, oh, is it really so funny? Or, you know, whatever it might be. This is a good conversation starter. So let's talk about on stage. Is the way that you speak on stage connected to your personal brand or is it a part of your personal brand or how do you see that relationship? It's 100% part of your personal brand. It's, you know, as, um, Paul Vaslovic, um, who is an Austrian, a federal Austrian <laughs> um, psychologist, he always said, you cannot not communicate. And this is exactly what happens. So whether you speak or you not speak, you communicate something. So public speaking is literally putting yourself out there and verbally, but also visually communicate 
who you are and what others perceive about you. So the words that you're using, the body language that you are using, the eye context that you're using, everything forms part of a brand that others perceive. And you probably know it when somebody feels really uncomfortable and it's really nervous, it actually makes the audience really uncomfortable and yeah. nervous. It's not a good thing when the speaker shakes and you know the, the voice is breaking <laughs> because the audience is like, oh my God, this is awkward. <laughs> yes. I always say that energy is contagious, whether that's good or bad. Absolutely. Yeah, what you absolutely. project, your audience will feel as well. Exactly. So it certainly feels like when you get up to speak, there's some considerations above and beyond exactly what it is you're going to talk about. So there's a bit of consideration there about how you look and feel and communicate um, something other than the words that are coming out of your mouth. How do you, how do you suggest people go about that process or begin with projecting a, a personal brand from stage? Well, there are probably two parts to it. So first, you need to be clear about what do you want to be perceived at and what kind of impression do you want to make generally, you know, in front of all audiences. And then the other part is who is actually the audience there and what do they want to get out of the talk. So if you want your personal brand to be seen as authoritative, very powerful, um, inspirational, a little bit mystique, it's a very different approach to somebody who wants to be seen as funny and comedian and easy to approach and a little bit loose. Very different um, personalities, very two different um, perceptions, presentation styles. But this is what the personal branding part is. And I always say this is the unsexy part. It's about clarifying your values, um, what do you want to be perceived at, your strength. It's the kind of underneath the surface level that not everyone can see straight away. But this is the foundation for the next part, the marketing part. So, okay, when you say you want to be uh, authoritative and very powerful and influential, how do you need to dress? What kind of words do you need to use? What kind of body language do you need to practice to come across like that? And everything can be um, can be trained. It's, it's, it's a skill how you want to show up. But it also, uh, it's so important to be authentic because you can only fake it for so long until it breaks down and people can sense if you're genuine or if it's just a mask that you put on to try to impress somebody. And then the next part is about the audience. So who is the audience? And more importantly, what do they want to get out of the talk? Do they want to be educated? Do they want to be inspired? Or do they want to be entertained? Three different aspects to how you deliver a speech. And what is the biggest takeout that you want them to walk away with? And this is how you, or how I usually approach my speeches. Yes, you're speaking our language. Love it. <laughs> I had to learn it though. It did not come naturally to me at all. Yeah, right. Okay, so what is your relationship with public speaking then? If, if you haven't always been totally comfortable or confident with it, how have you gone on that journey? Well, believe it or not, I'm the biggest introvert that you can ever meet. <laughs> like if I would look in a corner for six months on my own, not talking to anyone, happy as. <laughs> oh, you're, you're speaking my language there, Petra. And that just sounds like the worst thing ever to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was the shyest kid and, you know, when I grew up, I could not speak to one stranger. That was horrible to me, so I'd leave it alone in front of an audience. Yeah. Um, and how I got into it, very random actually, I was always overweight as a child. But then with about 13, 14 years, I discovered group fitness and I loved it so much that I thought, 
I want to be this kind of person because I lost a lot of weight. I enjoyed uh, doing exercise. I enjoyed building relationships with people who were always coming. And I thought, what if I would do this? So I became a group fitness instructor at the age of 15. And I was shy as a kid. And I failed the first exams miserably because even when we practiced, I could not get on stage and instruct a big group of people. It was just my voice was shaking. It was just horrible. And everyone was cringing with me because it was so shocking. (laughs) You know, but I didn't want to let that go because I really wanted to be an instructor. So over, it was a summer in Europe. Um, Over the three months I practiced day and nights in front of a mirror, my parents, my friends, everyone had to be volunteers to come to my group classes. <laughs> and I just practiced the, the, the counting down, the instruction with um, you know, the, the different sides, because you always need to step left and you need to say step right. So it's also training your brain. Oh, you're right. <laughs> to count the music and say four, three, two, and then you always need to think of the next step. So it was the biggest learning curve in my life. And when I had my second attempt to the exam, they couldn't get me off stage because I loved it so much and I was shouting, I was jumping around and this built my confidence like there's no tomorrow because I did not come from that to be my strength, to becoming probably the biggest strength um, that I've got now. It's uh, quite fortunate by the sound of it that you were able to practice um, those speaking skills in somewhat of a private place. Uh, you know, if there's people who have the opportunity to present, say, in front of a small meeting or a small group or what have you, then it sounds like that is a very effective way at beginning to, to build confidence on stage and speaking. Absolutely. Like at the beginning, because I could not count music, I couldn't do anything. I practiced because I was still at school, at high school. So I had my summer holidays at least three, four hours every day. And then it ramped up to five, six hours because I didn't have anything else to do. And I was so committed to do this exam with a bang that I just practiced even when nobody was watching. And I think this comes down to being successful. What are you doing? And are you taking the right actions over and over again, even without seeing the results straight away? Because they will come if you continue doing it. And even my coach now, he always says, how committed are you or are you just interested? Because... The more you do the right things without seeing the right results shows us if you're really committed to it or if you're just interested to achieving the goal. So it's still stuck with me doing whatever it takes to get where you want to be, even though nobody's watching and you don't see the results straight away because it will come. Yeah, right. That makes a lot of sense. We had a bit of a realization with our business a while ago that marketing is actually really boring. It's kind of sold as like a bit creative, a bit fun, but and and it is at first, but then it's just about commitment and about doing it over and over consistently, which sounds exactly what you've just kind of said as well. And most things in life are, to be honest, a little bit, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's part of it. And if you love the part, then probably one or two percent of what you're doing so much that you're taking the always oh, sandwich with it, which is the other ninety-eight percent, then you know you are in the right field. But marketing these days and selling yourself is the most crucial skill that you can ever have because we've got now access to a global workforce. We've got more competition and 
before. And with that, also companies have got more choice than ever before. So simply doing um, the best job is not enough anymore. You need to stand out. You need to communicate what's your value, what's your point of difference, and why, why you? Why should you be chosen for whatever it might be, even if it's just for a date? Why you and not the next person? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's given me so much to think about. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And this one, you know, should spark um, some creativity. So what else can I do to get my brand out there? And, you know, I, I'm obviously a big introvert and I've been able to build my brand. So it's just about being smart. And it's definitely not about being famous or being, you know, a celebrity because it doesn't matter. If you can influence one person who can make a decision that changes your life, you have, you know, you're taking away the right steps. So it's about communicating, influencing, impacting, and repeat. <laughs> it, it sounds to me like, uh, listening to you now, that marketing yourself is, is what makes people initially look at you, but your branding and the perception that you put out around who you are and what makes you different is what would convince people to, I guess, buy from you, uh, whether that's, you know, as, as a uh, buy a product or a service or to engage you as a speaker or, or a promotion or what have you. Absolutely, because in the end, you are the only point of difference that you've got in your life. There's just one of you. And if you start competing on, but I've got 10 years experience in this industry and I've got 12 years experience in doing this and I've got a master's title and blah, blah, blah. People switching off, it's like, yeah, next, another gazillion people in your industry have exactly the background and they probably charge 10 grand less. So why should it take you? There's just no point of difference. And this is where your story and your personal brand comes into play because people buying in the end the solution that you can bring for them. And it's not the, you know, the experience, whatever it might be. It's about the solution that you can bring to a problem that they've got. Like I was poached a few times and also in my board roles, I got through the chairs reaching out to me rather than me being proactive about it because you are solving a problem that they are perceiving. And the problem might not be obvious to you. Like one of the chairs, he said, you know, I've been watching you for the last six months. As in, you're not stalking, but following me on, <laughs> on yep. LinkedIn. And he said, you've got exactly what we need on the board. You've got the authority, you've got influence, and you've got the content. And this is what we need. And also with the other jobs that I got, they, they literally wanted my personal brand and my um, network and nothing else. It was not the expertise because there were other much more experienced recruiters who would have charged half because I was always quite expensive because of it. Good. <laughs> yeah. So you do a lot of speaking now. I'm interested to hear when you've got some sort of speaking engagement, do you have any sort of ritual that you go through um, maybe in the morning or even the minutes before you actually speak? Well, I've got my morning routine, which no matter if I'm speaking or not, I follow religiously. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. When I do speak, um, what I've started now for the last few months is I'm actually recording my speech and listen over it again and again and see yep. where I need to do donations, where I need to take a break, where I need to be more enthusiastic or a little bit more dramatic <laughs> just yeah. to, to make the point. <laughs> because as you can tell, I'm a fast speaker, so I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And with then sometimes people are struggling to understand me. Um, so yeah, this is my ritual that I um, practice it, but then also watch myself in front of a mirror when I do need to do some body language or what my face and my facial expression should look, should look like. Yeah. Um, so I practice that. 
So what you said you had a religious routine, uh, whether or not you were speaking? Yes, yeah. I'm an early morning person and my day starts at 3.15 or 3.30. Yesterday, it was a bit of a weird day. I started at 1 a.m. and was in the gym by 1.30. <laughs> this is usually not my time, but at 3, 3.15, I usually get up and I always visualize um, what I want in my life, but I'm also um, saying three things I'm grateful for. And sometimes it's just one thing, but it's just putting myself in a frame of mind that, you know, I attract what I put out there. And for me, it's all about positivity. So, you know, the smallest things that could be, uh, I'm grateful that um, I've got this beautiful cozy blanket and it's freezing cold at the moment. <laughs> small things like that, because if you can't appreciate the small things, all the big things don't matter either. And then I go to the gym and this is probably where I get most of my work done because it's outside my work. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So in a second, I brush my teeth. I've got a podcast yeah. <laughs> and because I'm also speaking and thinking so fast, I listen to it double speed. So that's how I listen to about four hours podcast content a day. And I get the best ideas in the gym because everything gets moving, your blood gets moving, you're outside your comfort zone and I get most of my work done. So when I'm on my desk, I actually just put everything into practice, you know, into practice, send emails, put proposals together, make the presentations, but everything is kind of done from the work that I did in the gym. And yeah, that's, that's my morning ritual. Yeah, right. And I imagine that time of day as well, there's no distractions because no one else is up. There's no one else competing for your attention. Exactly. It's perfect. And I also have got like a morning formula, which, you know, your brain can't distinguish between a story that you're telling yourself and a story that has actually happened. So my morning formula is very much about the person who I want to be and become and the lifestyle that I want to live and the impact that I want to make in other people's lives, how I want to work with companies. So I've got, you know, everything quite, that's my vision. That's my North Star that I'm getting up every day and I'm priming myself for it. Before you walk onto, uh, onto a stage to present or into a workshop, do you use any of those same techniques, such as visualizing the positivity or visualizing the outcome you want to see to put you in the right frame of mind before speaking? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. I, you, I always say you want to experience a situation twice, once in your head and once in real life. And in your head, it should be you know, over and over and over and over again. It's not just, oh yeah, I'll do this and go again. So, you know, last week I had one of my biggest speaking engagements with a company, a well-established company. And I was just really excited and just primed myself as to everyone's got a good time. They will love. I will just love it. They won't get me off stage. So, like, you know, literally how do I want to feel and how do I want the audience to feel when I'm in the room? You're right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I do love that. Something else that we always ask our guests, is there a book or a resource or something that has influenced the way that you speak? Yeah, definitely. Quite a few resources, actually. Um, I always think before you speak, you need to listen and you need to pick up on other people's energy and their body language and, and listen to what they not necessarily say, but what's in between the lines. So one of the books that's really influenced me is, um, I've got it actually here, the Psychology of Influence from uh, John Dini. 
and you know it's it's more about how do people perceive you how can you influence them in you know not manipulating ways but in in good ways so that's probably one of the books then also i love jay bear's talk trigger have you read it no i love it it's um so basically he says What's your talk trigger that makes you um, memorable for others? And also, what gets other people talk about you? Because in the end, your you know, word out of mouth is still the most powerful form of marketing. But how can you scale it? And how can you make it bigger? And he's had amazing examples from companies who are doing small things, like um, one of the Hilton branches, the Tree Hotel, I think it's called. They are handing out freshly cooked uh, or freshly baked cookies to every new arrival. So when you had a long travel and you're tired and you come in and you smell this beautiful smell of freshly baked cookies, everyone is talking about it. And, you know, it's probably costing them five cents to make them, but it's just the experience that you get. It's like, oh my God, this is just amazing. You need to stay there. And people are Instagramming and, you know, Facebook and uh, social media. It's, people just want, create this, um, this talk trigger to say, oh my God, have you heard about this, this hotel? And I always use that also with my coaching clients. So what can be a talk trigger that others can remember easily that you want to be associated with because it's your area of expertise and it's your point of difference and how can we scale that? So how can we communicate that on LinkedIn, on your CV? How can you put that in an elevator pitch if you are introducing yourself at a network event? Everything like that, you know, is your talk trigger. And it might be even, you know, um, uh, glasses, a certain color of glasses or something that you just constantly wear. What is your talk trigger? And then lastly, um, I also, have you heard of Crystal? Uh, no. I just discovered it actually a few weeks ago. It is a LinkedIn extension. And oh. what it does, it analyzes LinkedIn profiles based on the words that those people are using, what kind of personality they are and how do you communicate it with them the best. Right. So oh, right. You might be a person who is more analytical, so you want to focus more on the logic side of your arguments, or it might be somebody who's more emotionally uh, connected and wants to talk about the feelings. So it's how can you communicate it in a way that you are understood and that you can make the impact on others. Yeah, that's an interesting way to have an audience focus to know exactly who you're speaking to through your social media rather than even from stage. Absolutely. And the same goes with um, your ideal audience. Like I always use brand archetypes to help my clients define what their archetype is and who resonates with them. So for example, my brand archetype is a magician. So my strength is that I can see what others can't see. So product, new product development is super easy for me. I live literally three and a half years down the track with my business as to where I need to be and I want to be. But the execution as such Oh, it's shocking. I get bored very quickly. <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize that when it was in my corporate roles that, you know, it comes one and a half, two years, I kind of got bored and wanted to do the next thing. And I always thought that would be my weakness because I just don't have resilience enough. But to be honest, I was just bored. And boredom and overwhelm does exactly the same to the body. You eventually get burned out. I'm sure you mentioned there that you, you manage four hours of podcast listening a day, which is... Uh, I, I think that is astronomically high. Are any of those that you listen to uh, to do with public speaking and increasing your skills, is that a way that you learn to public speak and communicate? 100%. Yeah. Uh, like Leanne Hughes' podcast, The First Time Facilitator, 
Yeah. Um, a great resource for first-time facilitators and for public speaking. But then I also enjoy Story Brands, um, which is a really good podcast. And there are so many episodes on communication, influencing, negotiating, that you, know, you can always use some learnings from one aspect and transfer it into another element. In the end, this is how innovation works. What works already in another industry or environment and how can you make it work for, for you? Yeah, right. Excellent. Because yeah. it sounds like all of those ones, those resources that you've just listed, the common theme for me is that you're very conscious and very self-aware about what you put out in the world, which, again, all just comes back to personal branding. Absolutely. The, the best leaders are aware of what role they are playing yeah. and how they need to communicate where they are at and how can others fit in and what can each and everyone contribute to it. Like Steve Jobs, he, uh, he said, um, musicians play instruments, I play the orchestra. So this is the level of awareness that we all should be aiming for. What role are you playing? In which kind of environments? Who resonates best with you? What can you bring to the table? And who do you need to be surrounded by to complement your strength and most importantly, your weaknesses? Like if I, for example, have all magicians next to me, we would come up with amazing ideas, but nothing would get done because nobody wants to do it eventually. Yeah, it's all about self-awareness and how do you communicate it to others to get the best out of them. And this is in the end what leadership is all about. Excellent. Yeah, right. Oh, so much to think about. You've just yeah. given yeah, so much information for us there. Petra, where can people find you? How can they get in contact with you and learn more about what you do? So the best way is probably LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I love this platform. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's also a conversation starter. This is what social media is all about. Connecting with somebody you wouldn't usually connect with, having conversations. And there's the saying that marketing is not about closing deals. It's about opening relationships. And this is how I see social media. It's opening relationships and see where it goes. I got my board roles all through LinkedIn. I got um, most of my clients through LinkedIn. So it's about having those conversations, giving people the opportunity to get to know you on a different areas and different aspects and see if they're the right fit for you. So definitely LinkedIn just to check me out if I'm the right person. <laughs> and then um, on my website, which is impactwithccc.com. Excellent. We'll definitely put a link to both your LinkedIn and website in the show notes. And you do have a podcast too, don't you? Yes, I just recently launched it. And, right. and again, it's you know, having those amazing conversations with these incredible people. It's also about learning what's happening in other people's world and what's their take on, on the future of work and how can we prepare for roles that don't exist yet. Brilliant. Excellent. Sounds interesting. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Petra, for coming and speaking to us. I've learned heaps. I could listen about personal branding all day. I think that's really important and, yeah, really, a really valuable conversation to have. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. As I said, I could talk about that for two days without <laughs> breathing. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Petra. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. If you have a recommendation for someone you'd love to hear from in this show or think you have something of value you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts and take suggestions for future episodes. 
Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week. Off the record, if you are up at like three o'clock, what time do you go to bed? 11. No. Yeah.